What's up, everyone? I have Dr. Alex Oshmiansky, uh, who is the CEO of the Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company. That's a mouthful, and it's also amazing because that means I'm one degree of separation from Mark Cuban just being in the room, Alex. Oh, I think even closer. Even I'm closer. Sure, than I'm not sure how or why, but you are. You definitely are. <laughs> Alex, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, you uh, are someone who worked with my wife actually yeah. uh, doing teleradiology and we met a while ago. And at the time we met, you told me a story that I thought would be really compelling to my audience, which is drugs cost a lot of money. Uh, and they cost a lot of money partially because we're doing them completely wrong. We have middlemen. There's all kinds of drama that actually jacks up the prices of drugs. And you had this crazy opportunity to work with Mark Cuban of Shark Tank fame. That's, that's I mean, that's, forget everything else. It's the, the Shark Tank. And he and you have started this company to try to disrupt drug, drug delivery prices, everything. I mean, just, just tell me about it, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the company uh, actually started it like five, five and a half years ago as a nonprofit. Ah. Yeah, so the idea was actually, uh, you know, if I'm being honest in direct response to, you remember Martin Shkreli, the uh, the pharma bro? Oh, he's, he's the, oh, how can he's you forget? He's a delightful fellow. Yes, Amazing. a joy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, I, I just got so like angry at that. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go take myself, some friends who are doctors, we're gonna start a nonprofit, we're gonna make, uh, low-cost versions of these same drugs, which are very expensive. Uh, so I went out kind of hat in hand for like, say about three years after that, trying to raise money to get it off the ground. Yeah. And did not succeed. Uh, failed absolutely miserably. Uh, eventually, I ran into like a group of venture capitalists here in California, actually very close to here, hmm. um, a group called Y Combinator. They're like a- Oh, I know those guys. Yeah. yeah they're like a startup accelerator type deal. Uh, and basically, you know, they periodically donate to nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so, I, you know, I gave them my pitch and they were like, hey, we, we like what you're doing, but uh, you will not be able to get enough capital to get this off the ground uh, as a nonprofit. Now, you were, you weren't just trying to make generic drugs, right? You were talking about very high cost drugs. Yeah. So there are all these drugs, which for a variety of reasons that, you know, I'm sure we'll get into, right. like cost pennies to make, sometimes even less, uh, but can retail for hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for a single pill. Yeah. And it's this whole sort of corrupt, uh, you know, ball of like bad practices that gets the price so expensive with so many people between the drug and the individual patient that all need to get their cut yeah. before the money, before they can, you can actually get your medicine. So it's like 13,000 middlemen in between that are each taking a chunk. Yeah, yeah. so I can get, so what we can get into, so we just released our first drug uh, from the program, mm. uh, which is an antiparasitic drug called albendazole. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's a very cheap drug to make. In most of the world, you can get it for like a few cents a pill basically. Uh, in the US, uh, if you go to the pharmacy and try to pay cash for it, the odds are they'll ask that you pay you know, $250 for each tablet. Wow. Not for the whole prescription, just for each tablet. Gosh. Uh, and you're, and you know, the question becomes like, why is there disparity in the price of the drug? Uh, and you know, initially, sort of the way it happened is uh, the, you, know, you do need FDA approval in the US to, to market your generic drug, which makes a lot of sense. Like you don't wanna just like be swinging drugs everywhere. Uh, but uh, what happened is one company realized, hey, we're the only ones, even though this is a generic, 
uh, we're the only ones who applied to the FDA uh, to get the drug to the market. We basically have a monopoly. Why don't we try to like see what the market will bear and just keep increasing the price of the drug over and over and over again? The Shkreli effect. The Shkreli yeah. effect. So in this case, uh, the initial company that made it was kind of the bad guy of the story. Mm. Uh, but what happened was when the drug got to like $250 a tablet, uh, you know, the market took over. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, other drug companies were like, hey, we can also make $250 a tablet. Uh, so pretty quickly, like five or six different companies entered the market for mm -hmm. this drug. But it stayed the same price. Hmm. And, How? Why is that? Huh. Ah, I'm delighted to tell you. <laughs> uh, so actually, if you talk to the drug companies themselves, which we did, uh, the price they're actually selling it for is far, far less. Uh, so I'm under a non-disclosure agreement with our source, but... Uh, you know, essentially, I think it's safe to say we can buy it for about ten dollars a tablet. Albendazole. Albendazole. This drug that's selling for like two hundred fifty dollars. Exactly. Tab, right? Exactly. But by the way, before we even go on, what 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 do we use albendazole exactly for? I know it's an antiparasitic. In, in, in what's the main use case? Oh sure, uh, and this is the most sort of like perverse part of it all, uh, is it treats conditions uh, basically that are associated with uh, indigent poverty, with extreme poverty. Mm. Uh, so it treats conditions like hookworm. Uh -huh. uh, so, uh, so it's a disease you get basically due to bad sanitation, mm. uh, which affects primarily populations uh, of extreme poverty. Poverty, yeah. And you know, we used to we thought we eradicated it in the United States, but it's cropped back up in and, the American South. And yeah. yeah, right, and causes anemia and other issues. And Peter Hotez was on the show talking about these neglected diseases, tropical exactly. diseases. So albendazole is a treatment for that, and ironically, it's two hundred fifty dollars a tab to treat a disease of poverty. Yeah, so we were actually working with uh, with Dr. Hotez and Dr. Mejia, their laboratories, because uh, they're essentially they wanted to set up mass treatment uh, for hookworm, oh, yeah. but it costs two hundred fifty dollars a tablet. That's what they're getting asked to pay uh, to treat this condition, and you know, no grant can afford that. Uh, mm. So basically, what we did is we just purchased it at a lower price and just gave it to them for free. Mm. You know, we I, I say we donated two point five million dollars worth. <laughs> of albendazole, <laughs> you know, in actuality, it's probably closer to like $100,000, even less. Right. But like, yeah, if they were to like apply for a grant, that's what it would have cost them to, to get that albendazole, which is just crazy. And again, it's all because of these layers of obfuscation and profiteering and middlemen and all of that. Yeah, so there's basically two primary layers of middlemen between you uh, or more accurately, like the pharmacy and the pharmaceutical company. Mm. Uh, the first layer is the pharmaceutical wholesalers uh, who have sort of a de facto monopoly. Mm. Uh, so three companies, McKesson, Amerisourceberg, and Cardinal, uh, control 80 plus percent of the wholesale market, which gives a, puts them in kind of a unique position. So I had to look this up. They're uh, you know, a monopsony. So they're a buying monopoly. Uh, oh. So the pharmaceutical companies essentially have to sell to them. So they can negotiate extremely good prices. Uh, you know, I can't know for sure, but I, you know, I'm going to guess that they can get albendazole for an even better price than I can because, mm -hmm. like, you know, we can't match. You know, these are multi-billion-dollar corporations. There's no. Uh, yeah. If you look at the Fortune, like uh, 20 or even 10 list, like I forget exactly where McKesson is, like number five or six. Mm. Like it's all companies your average person on the street would would recognize. You know, Apple, Exxon Mobil, whatever. Mm. And then you see McKesson, and you're like, what is? Right. Why is McKesson and why is it? The I mean, they make EHRs. They can't be making that much money from that. <laughs> or can they? Or right? can they? <laughs> yeah, right. actually, now that, you yeah. Say, now that you mention it. But, uh, but yeah, talking to the pharmacists, if they want to buy albendazole from, uh, you know, some of the big three uh, wholesalers, um, 
what I was told is that it's currently going for $120 a tablet from the wholesalers. Mm. So that, so you know, that layer is capturing a delta. Like, right, from the 10 bucks up to, or even less, because you're saying yeah. they, can, they can aggressively. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they can probably get it. Well, you know, I can't say for sure, but I'm right. sure basically right. that they can get it less for, for less than $10, but they're retailing it or wholesaling it for 120. So this is interesting because you, your first instinct is to hate the pharma company primarily. Yeah. Go, well, why are the prices so high? But we forget, and they 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 ha they hold culpability as well. Yep. But but it's this so that even the, just the second layer of wholesaling is jacking up the price so much because they can. Is it just because yeah. they can? It's just because they can. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, the way uh, it works is uh, each wholesale, each independent pharmacy or each individual pharmacy. Uh, will try to will pick a single wholesaler to be their primary wholesaler, mm. and they kind of trap them into the contract with this promise of a rebate. Mm. So they'll say, you know, if you give us 80, 90 percent, usually 90 percent of your total drug purchase, we'll rebate you, you know, some percentage of the cost of all your purchases at the end of the year. Oh. So the pharmacy is led to believe that you know they they won't be profitable. They they will not be able to exist without this rebate mm. at the end of the year. Mm. So you know. You can buy 10% of your drugs from somebody else, but once you reach that threshold, you're endangering the viability of your company. Uh, wow. But there are secondary wholesalers that if you go to, like will actually just give you a lower cash price and at the end it works out in your benefit. But it's right. such a risk for the, for the pharmacy to do that that they generally, generally don't. Oh. So part of our mission is education and just telling people and you know, healthcare practitioners like actually you don't have to be beholden right. to these extreme contracts along the way. Right, so how does your company then disrupt that process? What does it do differently? Yeah, so basically there's two things that we're doing. Uh, one is we are uh, a proper pharmaceutical manufacturer. So uh, as we speak, my construction guys are on site in Dallas. We're building a pharmaceutical manufacturing plant. Oh, so you make the stuff. So we actually make yeah. the stuff. Mm -hmm. um, eh, uh, so not albendazole specifically, but uh, Basically, there are all these products which are in shortage, uh, which are for rare disease, orphan drugs, mm. which you're gonna be very hard pressed to find people willing to get into the market mm. and provide a reasonable price. Mm. Uh, because yeah, it's just, you know, if you need a drug for 60,000 doses for the entire country for the year, and it costs, you know, a million, $2 million to get your, uh, and uh, your abbreviated new drug approval mm. uh, through the FDA, you know, you're not gonna sell that 60,000 doses for $1 a dose after. Right. Uh, but uh, but we are. Uh, <laughs> so how, so how, do, how would you make money then? Uh, yeah. So we will aggregate the costs over all the products we produce. So uh, some of the high cost products will subsidize the other ones and whatnot. I see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's various regulatory strategies we'll, we'll try to play through. Right. Uh, but uh, essentially uh, drugs which are in shortage as well. So you, I'm sure everybody who works in a hospital, you know, they're constantly trying to get, you know, boumedidine or you know, even calcium carbonate, very simple drugs, yeah. which are just in constant shortage. So that facility is more targeted there. Mm. Uh, but our second line of business is basically what I'm calling our supply chain business, which is basically disintermediating all these sort of bad actors that are intermediaries in the pharmaceutical supply chain. Mm. Um, and we haven't even touched on one of your favorite entities, which are the pharmaceutical benefit managers. The PBMs, the, the PBM. notorious PBM, right. The notorious right, right. PBMs. Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, 
as much as I love to harp on the, the wholesalers, at least they, they do serve a function. Like they right. do legitimately, you know, they do the whole, it would be incredibly inconvenient for a pharmacy to try to source each individual drug from a pharmaceutical manufacturer. Right. There's clear economies of scales that the wholesalers bring, so. Right, because a pharmacy can just go to McKesson and say, okay, and I get want all, all these drugs, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there is, you know, uh, you know, in my humble opinion, they probably charge too much, uh, you know, uh, that delta from like, you know, ten dollars a drug to one hundred twenty uh, for their services, but but there is a service. Mm -hmm. uh, the second layer of uh, basically middlemen in the system, which are, it's phenomenal to me how big these companies are, and I was no no one's even heard of their industry. It's not like they haven't heard of the companies; they haven't heard of this industry. They don't know it exists, uh, and it's the the pharmaceutical benefit managers. So. Basically, this made sense back in like the 1980s before computers. Mm. Uh, basically, what they do is they process uh, insurance claims uh, for pharmaceuticals for insurance companies. So your insurance company actually outsources like the management of each individual claim. Right. To one of the three big, generally PBMs. one of the three PBMs, you know, e Express Scripts, Optum, or Caremark are the big three PBMs. Mm. And much like... Uh, the wholesalers, they have a de facto oligopoly or pseudo-monopoly in their industry, sort of regionally distributed. Um, so, but what they discovered soon after, hey, there's only three of us. Uh, we're doing it for all the f insurance companies in America. Like, what if we asked for money to be put on insurance formularies? So they started taking this function, not just processing the claims, you know, like 10 cents a claim or whatever to, you know, do all the paperwork associated with it. The overhead stuff. Yeah, yeah. They started proposing, hey, we can actually negotiate on behalf of the insurance companies for lower costs, mm. which is also what the wholesalers are meant to be doing, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but they're like, yeah, we can negotiate for lower costs. And because we're, again, a monopsony, you know, we're buying monopoly. I just love that that's a random word that exists. It's so. a good one. It's a good word. Right? It makes me want to put a monocle on and go, <laughs> hey, everyone, did you hear about a monopsony? So yeah. they're threatening a monopsony. <laughs> so, so, these, so, so these PBMs then, they had this, this generally good idea, which is, well, we can negotiate on behalf of the insurance company since we're processing their claims. Yep. Go to the wholesaler. Do they go to the wholesalers or to the pharma companies directly? Uh, generally, they go to the pharma companies. Pharma directly. Pharma and, what directly. Do they, and what do they do? Uh, they basically say, hey, we would like a rebate uh, back on the price of the drug. Uh, and hey, even better, you know, so that uh, the insurance companies we work with know we're on the up and up. We won't even request a fee for doing that. We'll just take a percentage of the rebate. Mm. So suddenly, but let's say you're the PBM and you want to maximize how much money you're taking in. <laughs> suddenly, the important number becomes the percentage of that rebate. Yeah. Yeah. So how so do you make the rebate as big as possible? Make the price as high as possible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, these rebates become basically de facto bribes to be mm -hmm. placed on insurance formularies. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, pay us $40 a tablet or your product isn't going to be covered by insurance, basically. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they say, I want a $40 rebate per tablet, or it's not going to be covered by insurance. In order to make any profit, then, I mean, the price of the drug has to go up. Yeah, exactly. And the pharmaceutical companies are like, well, we can't not be covered by insurance. So let's do this. Let's, so let's do this. Yeah. Ah, people yeah. don't know this. And it's shocking that they don't. Uh, and I've, you know, I don't think I'm too like tinfoil hatty conspiratorial and saying that's kind of intentional. Because hmm. if they did, like... Again, CVS Caremark, one of the top five biggest companies in America on the Fortune 500 list, 
that's crazy. <laughs> they process insurance claims. Uh, yeah. So care- Because uh, Caremark so is, is the PBM? It's the PBM part of it. So I should right. say, you know, obviously CVS is a big company all its own. Yeah. Uh, but this is one of the ways they kind of, you know, mess with independent pharmacies as well. Oh, yeah. These chains are all, it's these entities are all vertically integrated at this point. Right, because the pharmacy and the PBM are the same. Just like Optum is integrated with United, the insurance company is integrated with the PBM. And they're in turn, oftentimes not technically like merged with each other, but partnered with. So like Cardinal is partnered with CVS Caremark. Right. So you have this whole vertically integrated kind of monstrosity that's right. like, you know, the money just stays with us no matter which part of it, you know, goes. And what I love about this that people don't realize is they go, well, at least American healthcare is free market. At least it's capitalism. This, no, this is monopsony monopoly. Yeah. This is yeah. this is an oligopoly of uh, several companies just enriching themselves, vertically integrating, pushing out independent pharmacies, pushing out independent doctors. It, the, the whole thing is anti-competitive. Oh, absolutely. It, it's right. startling that the FTC allowed it to come to pass. Well, like, I mean, why do you think that is? Because the same people that regulate yeah. through FTC are former members of these companies that in a revolving door go back yeah, and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and I talked to independent pharmacists, uh, you know, they have to pay these so-called DIR fees. That's right, Yeah, clawbacks. Clawbacks, yeah. so basically they're getting paid less for the drugs from, uh, from the PBMs because the PBMs are responsible for reimbursing them. And then they're charged a fee just to work with the PBMs. Right. The reimbursements keep going down. Uh, like when you give a co-payment to a pharmacist, the PBM can actually, one, not reimburse anything for the drug, mm. and two, actually claw back part of that co-payment. Mm. Plus, then they charge the independent pharmacist to, for even the privilege of working with That's them. That's right. And the independent pharmacists are going out of business. And remember, these are the pharmacists who um, are, sorry, I'm just gonna move oh, the camera no, it's all a good. little. There we go. Just because it, yeah, as you get into it, dog, you're like, <laughs> Let me tell you the secrets of PBMs. <laughs> and you know what? The, this, we need to hear those secrets. So the, uh, the independent pharmacists are the ones who, they know you. They, they're the ones who form relationships with you. My father used to work with independent pharmacists as a doctor and mm. they knew each other, man. Yeah. He could read their hand, like that guy could read my dad's handwriting. I, no one can read my dad's <laughs> handwriting. And, um, and they're, they're being squashed by this practice, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's, uh, you know, the, so if you're CVS Caremark, uh, not to harp on them specifically, but you know, let's harp on them specifically. Why not? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's not if the independent pharmacy goes out of business, that's less competition for CVS. Mm. And if they underpay both CVS and the independent pharmacies, they can say, well, these are the reimbursements we give to everyone. Mm. But if CVS makes more money, less money, Caremark makes more money, so it doesn't really matter. It's a wash. The, it's a wash for them at the end of the day versus the independent pharmacies are driven out of business or forced to be bought out by CVS. And yeah, like you're saying, the independent pharmacists are the ones that are out there dealing with the most complicated patients. Yeah. Uh, you know, They're the ones actually going into their community, actually acting as healthcare providers oftentimes, and you know, helping those patients. Uh, and yeah, they're just basically being driven out of the market uh, by J.D. Rockefeller-esque monopoly systems. Right, yeah. right. It's, again, we're back to the robber barons with uh, the monocles. We're a monopsony, see? <laughs> but so let me ask you a question. So you're, so the PBMs are clearly, they've evolved into being very bad news. Yeah. Maybe they started with good intention and they were serving a function, like you said, 10 cents per claim or whatever to process this because you know the insurance companies don't want to do it and the, they're serving a role. But now it's evolved into this 
hegemony of weirdness. I don't even know if that's the correct word, but I like the word hegemony. It makes, it sounds smart. It just feels yeah. smart or conspiratorial. Like, did you hear about the hegemony? Yeah, it's like the Illuminati. Very much so. Yeah. Bro. Respect. Respect. Um, so you, <laughs> you're, what you started up, and we can talk more about that in detail, how is that designed to disrupt this process or does it? Yeah, so I'll, I'm gonna be a little bit coy and obnoxiously secretive because we have sort of plans in the works. Yeah. Uh, but basically, you know, broadly, we're looking for people who are still good actors in this space. Uh, so there are kind of like PBMs, like this feels weird to say, but like family owned small PBMs that still operate on the old model, mm. like 10 cents a transaction, price transparency mm. type of model. Um, and you know we're acting kind of de facto as a wholesaler mm. on this sort of second part uh, of our business. Uh, and yeah, we're hoping, you know, kind of sh like shining lights uh, to make the cockroaches go away, just transparency that people know actually what these drugs actually cost to make. So f like for our pharmaceutical factory, we're gonna reveal our books publicly. Everyone will know what our sub like uh, salary costs are, what our raw ingredient costs are, what it costs to build the facility and how much we're, you know, how much we're adding to the price of the drug to account for the facility costs. Everything will be transparent. Yeah. So you'll know for sure like, Okay, they, it cost them like five bucks to, to make this medicine, and they're charging you know a fifteen percent margin. So you know they're charging seventy five percent. That way we're profitable, we're sustainable, uh, but at the same time we're not extortionate. People know that we're basically doing the right thing by them. So heaven forbid you're talking about price transparency in medicine, which doesn't yeah. exist. Uh, like you said, the obfuscations, the layers of confusion are intentional because if the public really found out what was going on, they would be like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And then they would demand legislation, which would be very bad for these companies. And of course the legislation would fail because the politicians are all paid by these companies through lobbyists. Sure. And that's how American capitalism actually works. If yeah. it was actually free market and we clawed away all the garbage and made it, a transparent competition and open and saying, hey, this is the profit we're making. Like you said, these are our costs. Our costs would drop, our quality would improve through yep. competition and patients would get the drugs they need at the cost that's affordable, but it doesn't. So it, it, let me throw an example at you. So, and, and then I'm gonna get at why the hell Mark Cuban is involved in this, because this is fascinating to me. Um, I'm like, what did you go on Shark Tank? And like, well, this is the thing, drugs are expensive. And, and he was like, Okay, I'm investing, uh, but, but we'll talk about that. But um, like, let's say insulin. Insulin's been in the news, right? P people who need this drug to survive yeah. are having to spend more and more and more money. EpiPens, same thing. Yep. How, how would your company interfere with this price escalation? Would you start making the drug yourself and then clearly and transparently pricing it? Would the pharmaceutical companies, do they license the process to you? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so we're kind of exploring our options on, on those two products specifically. Uh, oh, but, you are? You're looking at those especially? Uh, you know, yeah. uh, again, I'll be a little bit coy, but yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. looking at a lot of different products and trying to figure out the, the ones we can attack that will have the most impact for, right. for the most people. Uh, but basically all of the above. Uh, so it's sort of tackling it drug by drug. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing when I talk to the pharmaceutical companies, like they, as you might imagine, aren't as furious about the like middleman system as anyone. Kind of my general salesman pitch to them is, or business development pitch to be hoity-toity about it, uh, is like, uh, you know, in any opaque market in classic capitalism, like if it's an opaque market, the winners are neither the buyers nor the sellers. So it's not, so like dark pools of equity that Goldman Sachs set up, 
The buyers and sellers of those stocks are not the winners. Goldman Sachs right. the is the man, winner. The, the middleman's the winner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yep, that's right. That totally makes sense. Like, So the pharmacies agree. Yeah, the yeah. pharmaceutical companies, and bizarrely enough, are all, yeah, are totally on board with it generally when I talk to them because they're like, yeah, I spent, you know, even the brand name ones because they're like, hey, I spent 20 years of research and development, hundreds of millions of development costs. Why is half the profit going to the PBMs? This makes no sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, this, these sort of rent-seeking actors in, in between. And, uh, and, and who's paying? We are. And yeah, exactly. The patients are paying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Through high premiums. Yeah, Through co-pays, through out-of-pocket expense. Or if you're about 50% of people who are on private insurance plans uh, are under plans that are sort of self-insured by their employer. Right. So the employer is directly paying mm -hmm. for those costs. That's right, 50%. And people don't realize that in those in those companies where they're paying all their healthcare costs directly, where is that money coming from? Your wages. Yep. Our competitive advantage in the in the world relative to other countries where it's, you know, tax subsidized or whatever. Um, so it, it, yeah, it, if you are making in, making furniture, why are you paying an extra two, $500 a year per employee? for PBM fees, right? Like it's, it's insanity. It's nuts. Uh, yeah. It's nuts. So, but but then is there any advantage to, you said you're working with like kind of ma and pa, smaller PBMs, if such a thing does exist. <laughs> um, what's the advantage of having a PBM at all? Is it purely administrative? Yeah, so yeah. You, can, you can see, you know, again, I harp on, I'm harping hard on the PBMs, but uh, you know, if you are like an, an employer, you probably don't wanna hire a person full-time to like learn to, right. and then, you know, process all the paperwork for each individual insurance claims by your employee. Right. Yeah, so you're like, okay, 10 cents, a, you know, each time some paperwork needs to be filed. Right. Fair enough. Right. Um, but la so, you know, they do serve a function for those self-insured entities. Right. Uh, for insurance companies, it is bizarre to me. I, I don't really understand Mm. Uh, you know, even living this day in, day out, like 24 hours a day for, for years. Uh, I don't really understand why they outsource that function. Uh, yeah. You're like, you're an insurance company. You're, that's this is all your, you do is That's overhead. all you do is yeah, process paperwork. Yeah. yeah, so that I don't really understand. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, you know, it might've been, yeah, I don't, I don't know, we're speculating, but you know what is, it, what, what is interesting about this is when something like your thing comes up, one of the big, Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode, it's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also wanna hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me and we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you wanna be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show.
one of the big objections people will raise is, well, but I bet you don't play nice with insurance. So you're probably asking for cash pay. Is that right? Or do you work with insurance? No, we'd love to work with insurance. Like, why wouldn't we? I, right. You know, if we, you know, I don't want our albendazole to cost, you know, at the end of the day, we have a manufacturer suggested retail price. Uh, only com drug company I know of that does that uh, <laughs> of $20 a tablet. I don't want people paying $20 a tablet. I want them paying a dollar or, or whatever their copay is. Whatever I want it to be free. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, obviously, yeah, we want to play nice with the insurance companies for, for that purpose. It's just uh, when we do, we insist on transparency right. in the pricing. Right. That's sort of our line in the sand. Right. We want to make sure. Yeah. Well, these, these entities are going to resist you, which is now why I'm starting to feel the Mark Cuban thing actually yeah. is an advantage because you know the Mark Cuban cost plus drug company it almost it's a little kitschy of a name right but in a way putting Mark Cuban's name in that says hey no we're actually dead serious yeah. because we have the resources and the innovative drive to actually do this and we're not messing around um, is that is how did you get hooked up with Mark oh so actually I just cold emailed him <laughs> you're just, kidding yeah uh, like the kind it. of emails I get yeah Zubin and it looks like it's formed in there. Yep, yep. You know, we believe we can provide your website with many, many services and then poor English. And yep, yeah, right. Yep. So you did no, that. Yeah, so I did that uh, for me. Yeah, yeah. Poor English, whole nine yards. The whole, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Are you uh, are you Russian by descent? Uh, uh, my family's Russian. Uh, I was born in, just in Denver, but. Uh, Got it. That's yeah. like me. I, you know, my family's from India, but yep. I was born in New Jersey. Yeah. But actually technically we're Persian because they're, they're Middle Eastern by descent. But that's a, that, what does that have to do with this? Nothing. Back to this. You send a poorly Englished cold email to Mark Cuban. Yeah, and believe it or not, he reads his cold emails. Like, uh, and his public email is out there, uh, mcuban at gmail.com. Like, if you email him, he personally will read it. That's which was nice. startling to me. He doesn't have like minions that I figured would be doing it. But you know, you know what's interesting is the very connected um, billionaires like that, yeah. like my late friend Tony Shea oh, yeah. read all his emails. Like yeah. he, you know, it was Tony at zappos.com and he read every single one. I mean, he had minions to help once sure. he yeah. triaged them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so Mark read this email. Yeah, he read this email, uh, basically re respond back, like tell me more. Uh, and you know, I was kind of startled. He knew all of this. Like he had been looking for ways to kind of get past this for years because he had done his research and in intimate detail knew about the PBMs, knew about the wholesalers. Is that because he's running companies that are affected by this? Or? Uh, you know, I never asked him how he knew. I just figured yeah. he was interested in it huh. and like did his research. Right. Um, but yeah, maybe part of it was, yeah, the, the Mavs, you know, they have to pay these same costs that everybody else does. Right. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, not sure how exactly he knew, but he is very well versed in sort of the nitty gritty details of this stuff. Wow. Yeah, you, you sort of everyone you see as sort of a celebrity on TV, you assume they're just kind of a talking head, but yeah. no, Mark's the real deal. Like he he knows like peop, what the PBM overhead stuff is in like granular details. So Does he, he get as outraged as we get about it? If not more so, cause you know, I try, you know, we're fancy schmancy doctors. We talk professionally and stuff like, He's not obligated to do that. He'll, he'll, he'll scream and yell and just be like, this is so messed up. He has FU money. He yeah, he has FU like, money. Yeah, exactly. what I'm going to say. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he's a, also a shockingly normal person. Uh, you know, I imagine probably your interactions with uh, Tony, bless his soul. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a kind individual. Just a truly authentic, genuine person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and people can lose their way, but at the same time be just genuinely human. Uh, um, yeah, man. he's a... So yeah. Mark... 
Yeah. Is a, yeah, shockingly normal guy. That's awesome. You know, you talk to a lot of people in sort of investment and VC world, they have the sort of professional managerial class, you know, sort of like uh, airs about them because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's their job is to present themselves professionally. Right. Uh, Mark's just a normal dude. Like if you're talking to him, he's just talks... You know, he like you said, he has FU money, so he just talks like a God, like a normal human being. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it real it is actually startlingly yeah. refreshing. It's the top of Maslow's hierarchy, yeah. where you're just like, oh, I can self actualize now because I I'm not gonna be on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but no, he's very involved in the like day to day details of the company as well. Like he send you know communicates with me like I don't know at least four or five times a week. And like he's like, what if we do this? What if we do that differently? That's so, great. Yeah, so he's very passionate about these issues. Yeah, and he probably sees the world a little bit differently than us doctors do, which is really good because uh, we get in our own heads. And, uh, you know, it's really amazing because you're a radiologist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yet you got involved in drug manufacturing and sales. Yeah, just think of me as kind of George Costanza. Like, <laughs> I was just angry about this. And I was just like, I'm going to do this all out of spite. <laughs> like, <it's basically. laughs> and so you basically built your own pirate shirt factory, basically. Costanza style, amazing. <laughs> I feel like Kramer's gonna walk in at any moment oh. now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it was just pure outrage. Yeah, just, uh, I know you talk about like, uh, what is the term, like moral outrage or moral fatigue on your moral show? Injury. Moral injury. Moral yeah. injury, that's it, that's mm. it. Yeah, no, I, I was just mad uh, mm. and just sort of like went off on this tangent for you know, the better part of the last decade uh, at this point. And, the, and the, this, you're still doing radiology almost yep. full time. Oh, uh, well, that, you have to peel that, it back. I've had yeah, to peel it back to, a lot. Yeah. So no, I do. I still do like a shift every Saturday night. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like the week, there's just so much going on. Oh, yeah. 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 Even before you got on the show, I mean, yeah. you're putting out fires and doing all kinds of stuff and yeah. being an entrepreneur. What, I mean, what, did you have entrepreneurial experience before you started this thing? Oh, sure. So I did yeah. actually. Uh, ah. Yeah. That, uh, that was kind of the little niche I found for myself in within the academy because everyone finds sort of entrepreneurship to be very mysterious, even though it's very, as you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, like very banal at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like, um, oh gosh, the city's on me to like mow the lawn. I, okay. My business license expired because I forgot to fill out the paperwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely right there yeah. with you. Uh, but yeah, no, during grad school, I actually started a company that made uh, door handles that dispense waterless hand sanitizer when you use them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's actually brilliant. Thank you. So as you turn the door handle, it just squirts some. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so oh. it was because I kept forgetting to wash my hands when I went between patient rooms. Yep. And yeah, docs are the worst about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to kill someone. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to kill anybody by doing this. So. Heaven forbid. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, yeah, that company's been going strong for 15 years. Uh, as you might imagine, like sales, I think went up by like a factor of ten because oh. of the pandemic. So you're a you're um forget about monopsony. You're a <laughs> pandemic profiteer. Yeah, I'm uh, fundamentally an evil person. I figured as much. It's yeah. the beard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We need to get you a little cat. <laughs> well, Mister Cuban, <laughs> I've taken your money and squandered it on pills. <laughs> <laughs> so so many pills. So many pills. Um, um, but yeah. So yeah, you had that experience. Yeah. So I had that experience. I mean, uh, I left the company like pretty uh, pretty soon after it started. Uh, so I ran it as uh, the CEO for about a year or two and then moved to being like a part-time CFO and then kind of, and then left, uh, you know, was still on the board for a while, left completely a couple of years ago, just because it's sort of outgrown me. Right. Um, but yeah, I had that experience of like starting a company, you know, all these like arcane things, like what's a convertible note? Oh, like, yeah. yeah, all these sort of like- Board of directors. Yeah, setting these up yeah. like, oh man, lawyers are really 
Like taking advantage of me. I have to manage the lawyers. That's one thing that I, as as a yeah. entrepreneur, someone who <laughs> wanted to be an entrepreneur and ended up doing it, the, I, I was shocked at how much lawyers actually, if you're talking about PBMs, mm -hmm. we might as well talk about lawyers real quick because they take so much revenue yeah. to do so little really, but it's necessary in the current structure. Yeah, so what I quickly learned uh, is lawyers make work for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically at Especially time, when two lawyers talk to each other. Exactly. Like, oh, my company's talking to their company's lawyer. They're gonna make work for themselves. Suddenly, I'm, Blue Cross actually gave us a cease and desist for our logo for Turntable Health because it, they said it looked blue <laughs> and it was in healthcare. Awesome. And I had a copyright lawyer who was like, okay, well, I'll call their lawyer. And the next thing I knew, it's like $20,000 of legal fees. And all they said was, change the color one shade lighter of blue. And I'm like, this is a joke. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah I've, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is bringing back like PTSD flashbacks right? to me of similar things. Uh, eventually what I learned uh, was one, you gotta say no to the lawyer. So yes. they'll recommend things and you just gotta cut them off and just be like, no. No. Uh, and the second thing we moved to, this is gonna be deeply, this was deeply ironic to me. Uh, you know, we were frustrated with like basically overbilling from our, our lawyers at the time. And we moved to basically the most expensive law firm we could find. Uh, which was this group, uh, actually I really like him, Wilson Sonsini. Mm -hmm. uh, they do a lot of startup stuff here in Sil Silicon Valley. Uh, and yeah, our costs actually went way down. Because they're more directed and... They're more directed yeah. and I just think, uh, you know, there's no way to prove this. This is perhaps me being, oh, I don't wanna get sued by anyone for saying this, <laughs> but basically like inflating your billable hours because they pay you per hour worked. Right. And I just think our new lawyers are just honest with us about yeah. like, you know, what the actual what the time is they spend. Right. Uh, and you know, maybe they don't have like junior associates who need to learn the law and you pay them to learn the laws. That's right, yeah. They just have like senior people like, oh yeah, I just need to like w write one line, takes 15 minutes. Right. Yeah, so. And and what's it, so, because you know, these little details are, are, are interesting. People don't, this yeah. is why a lot of physicians and nurses don't succeed instantly in business. It's a lot of work learning this stuff. And you know, what, what other things have you learned? Because do you have a board of directors or is it all Mark? Like how, how is it working now? Because you started at Y, did you, you approach Y Combinator? I cut off your story early on. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so approached Y Combinator, just again, cold emailed. Uh, you know, I don't really have my- <laughs> Well, so this is the lesson guys, just start cold emailing everybody and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> uh, actually, totally. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, you can't say anything else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, they have a webpage where you can just apply to be funded by them, and I did. Uh, and they called me in and they basically said, uh, you know, if you convert from a nonprofit to a for-profit public, public benefit corporation, uh, we will just invest in you like we would in any other company. So public benefit corporation is a for-profit company, but with like a public mission in its charter. I see. Yeah. So you're not a non, because they're not investing in nonprofits. Uh, so they do. They do. Uh, they, oh, okay. I, they, well, I guess it would be donating to nonprofits. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's but not they something. have like a, a nonprofit or two, I think, Got in it. each of their batches. Uh, I so, see. you know, they fund companies once or twice a year. Uh, I see, I yeah. see. So Y Combinator is where you kind of incubated? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and no, it worked really well. Uh, wound up uh, raising you know, a little over a million dollars coming mm -hmm. out of their program from other sort of socially minded investors. Um, and So yeah. other outraged people who other, want to see Other mad thing. people yeah, who are exactly. on board. Uh, and yeah, uh, emailed Mark, uh, you know, a couple months after that and yeah, just taken off dramatically, uh, since then. Uh, so in terms of, you know, the structure, um, you know, this is, this is strange to say, cause, uh, you know, my old company had a, had a board of directors, um, and how to set that up. Uh, and yeah, to your point, like this is stuff that, 
you really can't find anywhere. You mm -hmm. can't find this information short of like listening to YouTube videos of people talking like this. <laughs> Seriously. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, the only way to learn it is kind of by doing it and messing it up the first time. And then the next time you can not, not mess it up, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the way it's, it's worked out since uh, uh, is basically uh, I am my own board of directors. There's a board of directors of one, and I'm, I'm that person. Uh, of course, it would be madness for me to do anything that, you know, Mark was like dead set against. Right. But he's actually, I find myself usually in agreement with him on like 98, 99% uh -huh. of stuff, if not that, because I don't know, it's, it's nice when you, it's almost like dating. You like click with someone and you're like, oh, we're on the same page. Oh, it's, it, it, yeah. it, that's exactly right. I mean, that's yeah. what it was like with Tony and Turntable. Mm. We just kind of understood each other. And the nice thing about Tony is he wasn't there to, you know, if he didn't care if it worked or yeah. not, he wanted it to make a difference somehow. Yep. And uh, and it did, and and the thing is, you never worried like, oh my gosh, you know, what if the thing yeah. you still were though, right? You're still worried all the time. Every day, I would wake up like, what if this fails? And you know, when it finally did, when we finally did have to close it, it was actually more of a relief than like mm. this horrible thing because it was like, oh, we were fighting so hard in this losing battle, sitting with like United Health sure. at the table, and them talking about giving us like 11 per patient per month for primary care or something ridiculous. Oh, wow. You know, it's the same because it gets, yeah. they're a monopsony. Yeah, I'm they're learning getting... your words. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word. I mean, they the... feel so smart. It does. And, uh, <laughs> And, and you, you knew that until we disrupt even more deeply and sow the seeds for real change, and some of it is outrage. Some of yeah. it is you have to make people feel how un, unjust the situation is, right? And, yeah. how, and how big is your company now? Like how many people are you? Uh, so, you know, uh, actually it's still very small, uh, yeah. but we have a, like essentially like a small army of contractors. Right. Uh, and part of that is like a lot of the tasks we're doing now, like, building the factory will only have to be done once. So right. like it'd be, you know, rather than like hiring the construction guys full time, which would be a little silly, we hire, you right. know, like contractors to contract all that out or right. like audit the regulatory stuff. Uh, but I think we'll probably be between 60 and 80 people this time next year, full time employed. Got it. And that'll probably, the majority of that will actually be just like the, the line staff at the factory, like the people who are hands-on making the medicine. Where can people find more information about what you're doing? Sure. Uh, so our webpage is www.costplusdrugs.com. That's a good URL. Right? You right? can do the www in just to keep it old school, man. <laughs> that's what, that's what my dad, old. my dad, whenever my dad, uh, he talks about websites, he's like, okay, go to www. <laughs> W, like I was, it just took you five minutes to get through the WWW. Now I got to listen to the spelling of the rest of this thing. And then well, I just want people to know it's on the World Wide Web. That's you know? important. You, you, get, you can surf that whenever you want. You know? I understand. Yeah. I have my AOL dial-up, 2200 baud. <laughs> um, that's one page of text every 25 seconds. I just learned that reading um, oh. f uh, a preprint of Federico Fagin's book. He's writing about micropro, he's Ooh. one of the fathers of microprocessors and, um, he was talking about the early dial-up speeds. And I was like, wow, I, oh. I remember you getting on those bulletin boards. Um, like you, you would get on these bulletin boards where you would interact with other people. This was in the 80s. Yeah. And it was 2200 baud modem. And it would be like, you would hear individual bits. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. we're actually working with, uh, you know, my teleradiology firm, the, the same one your wife used to work for. Right. Feels a lot like late 90s, like chat. And I was really bad at it as a teenager. Like, a, so I'm still bad at it now as like a teleradiologist, like talking to everyone else in the practice. You but. don't use enough emojis. Yeah. Like what's the emoji I'm, for gone complex? I think it's a dancing turkey. <laughs> Pretty sure it's a dancing turkey. 
<laughs> radiology emojis. Yeah, it's interesting because the way you guys did tele teleradiology is, I mean, there was this open chat window and you guys are sharing, asking each other questions and, and it's actually oh, yeah, very it's collegial great. even at a distance. Yeah, yeah it's like I've, I've worked with, uh, you know, the same folks for six, seven years now. Right. And I feel like I know them though. I've never actually met them in person. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Pan pandemic, pre-pandemic you guys were doing this. <laughs> we were it? in isolation before it was cool. That's yeah. true. <laughs> You guys were edgy. Um, and so so what's your vision for where this thing will go in terms of affecting the bigger picture of everything? Oh, sure. Um, so basically, uh, you know, my, you know, grandiose vision is kind of just, you know, setting up a parallel supply chain and par parallel manufacturing base that just goes around all these sort of pathologic entities and just be like, hey, get your drugs at an honest, transparent price if you go this route through the following actors. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's true disruption. You're saying, okay, we start out small on the fringes, then yeah. we create a parallel thing that's better, cheaper, more effective, yeah. and then the old players are out of business. Yeah, so the traditional like Clay Christensen, like right. real- Innovators. Like, disruption, yep. Disruption, yeah. yeah. So here's a question of the beautiful thing about working with Cuban then is that he's probably not keen to just sell you off to some PBM. In Absolutely. other words, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, a lot of the companies, so, you know, clearly this is not a, you know, brilliant, Profit. innovative idea, like, you know, make drugs cheap is, is an old concept, like it's not that hard to think of. Uh, but what a lot of time what happens is, you know, people go into it with, with good intentions, just get a huge buyout offer mm. and just take that. And Mark's like, we, we don't need that. Yeah, see, like, that's no. great. Yeah, that's no, another, we can't be bought out, essentially. The Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company, is, it's another advantage of that. And, you yep. know, and it, it was the same thing working with Tony. Like we weren't mm. there to sell our thing to some big you know, buyer and get rich. That yep. wasn't the goal, it was to make a real difference. Um, this is great. And what I think is where your thing fits in is in this bigger model of health 3.0. So price transparency, reasonable profit, so you do yep. well by doing good for people, um, competition, and getting rid of anything that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And it sounds like there's enough in between the drug companies and the, the purchaser, the patient, that doesn't need to be there. Now, some people would say even insurance doesn't need to be there and we ought to have a single payer and so on. How would a single payer plan affect your business model? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so, you know, my kind of my personal politics aside, kind of the way I went into this is like, I'm like a radiologist from like central Montana. No one cares what I think from a policy perspective. I, I have zero ability to influence or change politics. So I am going to play the ball as it lies and work within the structures as they currently exist. Just because I have, you know, of like Bernie Sanders with tens of millions of followers and this like brilliant vision, like can't change the system. Like Dr. Oshmiansky with the unpronounceable name is not going to be able to change the system. Uh, so, you know, uh, until such a point comes when the system changes, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to work within what, what is right. set up for us, what the barriers are. We're just going to, you know, power through them as best we can. So adapt to, adapt to what is. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Man, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm excited to see how this thing uh Turns out because any any innovation, any disruption to the, I'm gonna use the word, the wrong word, hegemony, because mm. I like it, because it sounds <laughs> good. To the existing oligopoly that is healthcare, I think we ought to be encouraging, we ought to be shining a light on, we ought to be, especially when there's a practicing physician yeah. 
involved because that changes the dynamic quite a bit. So you have this really good combination of Mark Cuban and you, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, it's surreal. Like uh, you know, our offices. Uh, well, at least before the pandemic, we're in you know Dallas Mavericks headquarters. That's awesome. <laughs> no, no joke. See, uh, you yeah. must get a lot of perks. Uh, well, I assume the basketball players are the guys who are seven feet tall who are like <laughs> walking around. I'm like, yeah. So you're like <laughs> me, you're like me with sports. Yeah, I, I consider myself a total baller. You know, yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. B a w l e r. Oh, indeed. The, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, indeed. Uh, uh, but but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm not yet at the cool kids table, but maybe maybe one day, maybe one day. Listen, George Costanza, uh, <laughs> you're at the cool kids table right now, all right? Because Dern Skippy. <laughs> look at me, just look at me, how cool. Uh, Dern Skippy. Um, dude, thanks a million for coming on the show. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. And yeah. uh, you know, we'll get you back to see and update as things grow, because I'm excited to see it evolve. Um, and you guys can go to costplusdrugs.com. Mm -hmm. Sorry, www.com costplusdrugs.com and check it out and um, you know share this episode if you want to become a supporter of the show I won't complain because we go deeper on things and uh, if you like what we do you can also give us a little tip in the tip jar this is the thing I put like my little hat out like a <laughs> like a street busker now. <laughs> it's just paypal.me forward slash zdogmd. We take all that money. And we, tell them about the studio, dude. Tell them about what you see oh, here. Oh, this is sweet. Like there's like really professional equipment in here, right? Yeah. Who pays for it? Y'all do. <laughs> no big pharma, right? You know what? There was a time, Alex, when I would have been reluctant to have you on. By the way, you're not sponsoring this episode. No one's paying me to have you on the show. Um, I would have been nervous to have you on because I, I would be afraid that I might piss off oh, CVS huh. or Walgreens or Optum because maybe they might want to sponsor our show and we were always hustling to try to pay the bills, pay the team. Now I don't care about any of that That's because so awesome. you, yeah. we're fully funded by our supporters uh, and you know some ad revenue here and there and that kind of thing. And if the ads dry up, then our supporters fill the void. So that's the wonderful thing about being in our audience's pocket instead of in big whatever's pocket. So guys, we'd love to be in your pocket. Came out wrong. <laughs> I'll edit that out later or I won't. All right, guys, I love you. Until next time, we out, peace. Become a subscriber. Click the subscribe button, then right to the right of his little bell. Hit that bell. Booyah! You get notifications. Never miss any of our stuff. I love you guys. We out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. 
So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.